Welcome to Waiting for Review, the show that follows the journeys of two iOS developers. I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. And I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer in Wellington, New Zealand. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our journeys. How many iPhone 10s have you got in the office? Was it just one person that got one? One person, as far as I know, um, had one certainly on, on Friday. Hmm. Um, I think other people may have may have one or two, um, sort of middle of next week, I guess. Delivery dates are getting better here now. Yeah, there are three to four weeks if I was to order one today. Yeah, that's what I saw on the the New Zealand Apple site actually. Um, which is yeah, it's certainly better than it was sort of like half hour after eight o'clock on on the pre order day. Yeah, I mean, I had, uh, one of my friends ordered one. And he tried to order it literally as soon as the store would let him. And I think yeah. his date is, is it the 13th to the 20th? Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it went, uh, by about half past eight, it went to five to six weeks. And yeah. now it's dropped to three to four, so it's it's getting there. Yeah, the um, five to six weeks was what I remember seeing when I looked, because other people around me, kind of ordered their phones and, and got on it really really quick um i debated very nearly did did some sort of credit card shenanigans at the last minute um and then kind of backed off for now um i i have kind of decided yes i do want to get one um and that's going to happen but probably figure that out over the next couple of weeks mm. um and i can live with it being you know, three or four weeks out from whenever I sort of do that. Um, that's that, that's okay. Sort of three or four weeks for something that I think is going to be worth getting. It doesn't feel too bad. Yeah, I mean, I decided that I needed to see one and I wasn't, wasn't willing just to pre-order it unseen. Yep. And I knew that would inevitably push me forward three, four, five, six weeks, whatever it ends up being. I mean, frankly, I was expecting it to be January. So the fact that the fact that it came through as five to six weeks in the first instance, I thought, okay, that's pretty good. And I, I don't know. I found in my Apple Watch that when, when I ordered it, it said something similar, like you know, five to six weeks. And then within, I think, three and a half weeks, I had an email saying, "Good news, your watch has been dispatched." So I think they yep. always kind of make it sound like it's going to be worse than it ends up being. Yeah, it, so it tends got, to be that sort of like under promise, over deliver kind of scenario. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if I ordered an iPhone 10 today that in like two two weeks and like three days or something like that, I had an email saying, yeah, yep. your, your phone's on its way. Because um, who knows, from between now and when they dispatch it, they may have ramped up their production even further or something, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, it I guess there's a, whole kind of, there's a whole kind of game there, isn't there, of logistics um, and analysis as well where they can sort of see how how much they do need to really boost the supply or not yeah um, was it how they got like a two-week lag or something i think i'm right in saying that what so, in terms of, of, of sort of order volumes to production so if they see a demand or lack of demand they can adjust it in the manufacturing pipeline and that will kind of hit the hit the end sort of retail channels within two weeks Okay. I know absolutely nothing about that type of logistics, um, but that feels like that's probably really quite good 
for something yeah. that's quite a big operation. Yeah, I mean, it, the, when I start thinking about how they actually manufacture these phones at the scale that they do, my mind just gets blown. I mean, it, that's, that's a serious effort, I think. It's one thing to design them and come up with the technology and to make one of them. That's like a huge achievement. But then to kind of go, right then, guys, let's have, you know, 10 million of them by yeah. X date. That that must take a lot, a lot of work. And it must be so much stress on the people that do it at Apple as well. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not as simple as being like, hey, Foxconn, can we have 100 million of these, please? It's obviously, the world isn't like that. There must be really deep integration between you know, the supply chain and Apple and all all the logistics of getting them around the world at the right time. And yep. Yeah, a huge, huge effort. I, I, I swear I saw something last week where people were tracking planes um, and kind of figuring <laughs> out. Yeah, just based on sort of like, okay, my, my, my update was from over here and, you know, I, I can't remember the process of elimination to actually sort of suggest that it was the this particular plane and therefore the other one or two that were in the sky ahead of it and behind it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could have been absolutely nothing, you know, um, but it, it did kind of amuse me, this whole sort of idea of like, well, okay, not just sort of tracking the order book, but figuring out how many millions of dollars there were of, of um, iPhones potentially on these three planes that were sort of across the sky somewhere just out of China. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about it the other day, actually, because when I ordered my iMac, it came from, uh, is it Shenzhen or is either Shenzhen or Shanghai? I forget. Um, and I was thinking that this iMac that has been stationary on my desk now for nearly three years within the, like, the first week of its existence, it was better travel than I was, could possibly ever be, because I tracked it on um, UPS or whoever delivered it. And the journey it took from China to here was quite remarkable. Right. I think it went, it went um, obviously it went, to, I think it went to a couple of places in China. Um, then I think it went to Kazakhstan. Yes, that sounds familiar with a, a MacBook Pro that I had a few years ago. Yeah, and then it ended up uh, was it Poland and then Germany and then yeah, probably a lot of places in between there that I'm forgetting. And I think it might have ended up somewhere near Leicester where you guys were at one point. Okay, that's that's interesting because yeah, I do remember when I was tracking my MacBook Pro that year. Um, very very similar thing. I think it sort of overshot us, landed in the the Midlands depot somewhere in Leicestershire. Um, and then I think it actually came technically sort of went like south of us by five or six miles before then it was out for delivery and and up um so it sort of like literally came over over leicester and and above a little bit um and then down and up this <laughs> sort of zigzag route uh, it um, is amazing how it all works i mean the even the delivery companies must have to kind of prepare for this they must know like once a year these phones are going to or twice a year in this case but um yeah once a year these phones are going to come out and we're going to have to be on our on our game and it's going to stretch our system yeah quite heavily um and i imagine there's, there's a lot of pressure to make sure that um you know you're not the person who drops the ball at all in in that that sort of link um because i would imagine that apple are very very choosy as well about how it sort of all filters across the supply chain. Um, so if if your company 
is not able to do it, I guess there are other companies that may be sort of willing to take that business. Business. Oh, I'm sure there are. I'm absolutely sure there are. So have you seen um have you seen both colours? Um no, unfortunately not. I've only seen the um the space grey one. Okay. What what did you think? Um I really loved it. Um I mean I was prepared to sort of kind of take a fairly cynical eye to it, I guess, in some ways. Um because I'm I'm aware that having um been in a room with other people kind of ordering the phone around me and stuff, you've got the whole sort of halo effect um kind of thing. Um and even with that sort of like that 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 hat on if you like, um the phone is gorgeous. It looks really awesome. Um and I, I think the um space grey works really well with the um the metal sides. Um the OLED screen looks really very gorgeous. Um I mean everybody's kind of saying that now. Um but seeing it in person, yeah, it, it feels true. Um how about you? I know you went into an Apple store um to, to sort of look at them the other day, didn't you? I went in yesterday, yeah. Um yeah. I went with the intention of swapping out my broken airpods and looking at the iphone 10 um, <laughs> so um the iphone 10 obviously when i went into the store um it's quite a small apple store really um it's the one in exeter so it's, it is very small compared to you know even if you go further up country just even to bristol you get much bigger ones but um, right. it was absolutely heaving in there um, <laughs> to the point where it was almost two or three people deep stood around the iPhone 10 table just oh, to try wow. and get your hands on one. Um, yep. The watch table, no one was around it. In fact, there was like three members of staff. <laughs> I thought it was really amusing. There's three members of staff just kind of leant over the kind of leaning on the watch table, just stood around chatting because they know, I think they knew that, yeah, they could try talking to customers, but they just wanted one thing and that was to hold an iPhone 10 and see what it was like. Yeah, so they just kind of just stood back. They were just like, "We'll just let you guys go crazy over the iPhone 10, and we're here if you need us." But yeah, they, which that's kind of what I like about the Apple Store in a way is that they just leave you alone. Um, yeah, there if you want them, and if you do want them, I've always had a really good experience. They've always been really cool, helpful. Um, but it's not like if you were to go into a, a big electronics retailer and they're sort of like jumping on you straight away. Can I help you? Can I help you? And then even when you say no, no, I'm fine. They follow up with an extra question to try and work out why you're there and if they can sell you something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the iPhone 10, it was, um, yeah, I managed to kind of wriggle my way in and I managed to find a spot between a white and a space gray one. Okay. Um, and I have to say, I thought the white looked, or the silver, I suppose it is technical, isn't it? The, I'll yeah. call it the silver. The silver one, I thought, looked way better than the space gray. Um, oh, wow. Obviously, it's entirely subjective. I understand that. Um, and I think there's possibly a bit of nostalgia at play because yeah. I had my first iPhone was an iPhone 3G and I paid the extra money to get the 16 gigabyte one rather than the 8. And then when you went to the 16 gig tier, you could choose between a black or a white back on it. And I chose the white one. Um, I think I did the same. And I loved the um, look of that phone. I thought that was so cool because it had it had kind of the black front. So when it was off, yep. it looked like a continuous sheet of black glass. And I just kind of liked the white back on it. Um, I think the main thing with the 3G, 3GS era was that 
the black ones I found showed scratches and fingerprints really, really badly. Whereas the white one, my white one was pretty beat up. It had scratches. It no doubt had fingerprints all over it, but you could barely see it. That's kind of what I liked about it. And holding, I had the the silver slash white iPhone 10. I looked at it really quite closely and the only part of the back of it where I could see a fingerprint was kind of over the sort of Apple logo that's on the back. Right. Because that's like a like a silvery finish under the glass. And someone had obviously put their thumb on the glass, which sits over that. Yeah. And obviously that showed the fingerprint quite clearly, but the rest of it, it was, it almost looked mint. Um, I then grabbed the space gray one and I could see a lot of fingerprints all over the back of it. And right. Kind of, and kind of on the sides as well, I think. Um, so I think probably, it, I didn't think I would be saying this. I thought I'd come back and be like, yep, space gray. It, you know, I've always bought this, this, the space gray of whatever it is that I can buy that comes in space gray. Um, yeah. So I, I came away thinking, yeah, I'm just going to be like, yeah, space gray no matter what. But actually, surprise myself, I think it's going to be the white one for me. That's that's really quite funny because I'm I'm kind of leaning leaning the same way. Um, I've not yet seen one um, in real life to sort of have the the full experience of, but all the pictures that I've seen um, and feedback that I've sort of seen people sort of talking about it on, online. Um, I think again, similar to yourself, there's a bit of a nostalgia feeling there for me. Um, part of me. Um, Part of me kind of harks back to to when Apple were doing the the sort of multicolored Macs and that side of things, um, and, and equally back to um, you know like the 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 white MacBooks as well, the iBooks and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and I kind of feel like the the silver um, iPhone ten is kind of capturing some of that feel. Um, not to say that there's anything wrong with the space gray at all the one i've seen looks gorgeous um just that i sort of feel like it might be time for a change for me i think i'm in a similar position actually i think that could be quite a lot of it i just fancy a change um if the front of the phone was white as well and you could clearly see the oled display sort of punched out of it i would be saying absolutely not give me the space gray one yeah given that given that the front is the same on both of them um it puts the the silver slash white into play and having seen it in person yeah 100 percent, it looks awesome it really does look nice the only thing and i don't know if you know um the answer to this given that um you know some people in your office have got one is if the space gray is the same coating as the apple watch had and i've struggled to find an answer to this the only the nearest I've got to an answer is that no, it doesn't. But, um, you know, the DLC coating that they used on the black um, Apple Watch, the steel yeah. Apple Watch, if the space grey had that coating on the steel band, that would swing me back to getting a space grey one. I'm really not sure. Yeah, I, I've, I've struggled to get a definite yes, it does answer. I've kind of heard, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day and the... People were saying that um, it they don't think it does. It uses some kind of vapor coating, but it's not the DLC. Well, they don't know for definite that it's the DLC. 
Right. Um, so working on the basis that it isn't the DLC coating the Apple Watch got, I'm still I'm leaning towards getting the white one. Yeah. Um, but man, that, that DLC coating is a real deal. That is seriously good stuff. Um, <laughs> so like, a friend of mine's got the Apple Watch with that on it, and it's a Series 0, and it is mint to this day. It looks really, really good, and that's had some serious dings as well. And it's just Right, so the, the coating takes the knocks. Oh, really well, yeah, so well. Yeah. And he's got the uh, the link bracelet as well in in the in the black, right? Which has got the same coating, and yeah, you you wouldn't you wouldn't know it's however old it is now, two plus years old. It's it's incredible. So if the iPhone ten were to come with that on the steel band, that to me means that that steel band is going to hold up really really well over time, as should the yep. glass. So over time, that device should age really well. Whereas the one that the white one given that it's just steel that's probably going to end up looking like my steel apple watch right now which is kind of dinged up with fingerprint marks and a few scratches and scrapes on it and you just have to live with it yeah um but yeah if between Uh, now and ordering i find out it has got the dlc coating that'll that'll switch me but as of right now i think i'm gonna go white cool i think me too um it's uh it's interesting though dave because i know you were kind of stuck in between um the 10 and the 8 plus weren't you yeah <laughs> um is that kind of evaporated now that you've you've seen the 10 in real I, life? I, I i honestly haven't given the 8 plus a single thought since i saw the 10 yesterday <laughs> <laughs> I, I went and used one afterwards actually um because like one side of their table they had the 10s and the other side they had the 8 and 8 plus so i thought okay i'm just gonna have a look at the 8 plus and i held it and i was like what the hell is this <laughs> this is like I was like, this is so big and it's so it just looks so so dated yeah um, and yeah i probably should have seen it sooner without having to go and see the 10 in person i should have known this would be the case but um yeah i it just felt so um what's the best way i can explain it? you know when we started testing our apps in the simulator yeah and all of a sudden when you switch from the 10 simulator to the eight plus simulator, it's like, Oh, this feels a bit, you know, yeah. Kind of it seems you've got the bottom back at the bottom. Um, and then because you know, the simulator with Xcode nine, you can see it's got the, the shape of the phone there rather than it just being a window. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going between different devices after the 10 in the simulator, um, that really did sort of give me that feeling like, oh, God, this is in the way. You know, um, I've got I've got used to having all this space. Um, yeah, so I think that that really is going to be a thing after using the, you know, when you've got the ten and you've been using it for a while. Um, going back to devices with home buttons is going to feel kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, seeing them in person, it was like that feeling I got in the simulator, but way worse. Mm. So I was stood there at the table thinking, okay, well, that's that's. This is good because I've, I've, this has made my decision. I was worried I'd go in there and be like, oh, well, the 8 Plus is still quite good and I don't know if the 10's different enough or you know, fancy enough for me to want to get that over the 8 Plus. But yeah, my mind's been made up, so I'm really glad in that sense because I, I, <laughs> I was in a predicament, a real predicament. Um, that being said, if there were an X Plus, for the sake of argument, I can say with some certainty I would probably be getting that. 
just um, simply to have the bigger sort of size screen and everything. I think I think I just want a big phone if I can have it. Um, but I think I want the X more, the X, the ten. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, not going there again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I've got I that out of my system now. <laughs> have you? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm referring it to it as the ten. Okay, pretty well, much. We'll, we'll see how you feel by the end of this episode <laughs> with me here. Um, yeah, I feel like I want the, the features of the 10 more than the bigger screen. Yep. Um, if they were to fuse the two together, so you've got the features of the 10 with the big screen, I would I would have probably get that. Um, but if that happens next year, that there's no reason why I couldn't get one. Um, if anything, it's motivation to keep working hard to be able to afford it. So I'd rather almost fall onto a yearly upgrading cycle than keep waiting and getting nothing. Yep. And I think there's a very real risk of doing that. I mean, what am I, I'm still running an iPhone six, so you know, I, I could go another year and be like, Oh, well I'll wait. And then I've got another year of this iPhone six that barely holds a half a day's battery life and is getting slower and slower by, by the hour it feels at the moment. Mm. Um, and yeah. So while I still yearn for a plus size phone someday, um, and I really would like a plus sized ten. Um, I read, re- I was really impressed with the ten so much so that it kind of pushes all that to one side. And yeah, I, I can definitely be excited and get on board with the ten, one hundred percent. Awesome. I, I think um, there's something to be said there as well for sort of putting putting that upgrade off um, to the bigger size of that type of phone for another year or two. Um, I think there's some logic there from Apple's perspective. You know, in terms of making this the only one of its kind, um, I think that makes the purchasing decision quite clear for a lot of people. Um, but equally, you know, a year from now or whenever it actually is um, that they do decide to sort of do a plus size of, of this type of phone, um, there's going to be a lot of people that will naturally do that upgrade sort of as soon as. Even those um, that have bought the ten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be a very good way to sell all of those people something else quite quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. What, what what do you think you'd go for in storage? Um, I'm really unsure because I've been using 256 with my 7. Right. Um, and that was on the basis that we were doing a big trip. That was the trip out to New Zealand to sort of uh, do our... our um recce to see whether we wanted to live here um and i knew i wanted the storage in case i didn't have the connectivity that i wanted back to icloud um so i didn't want to run out of space or anything like that and that's why i went so big at that point i'd gone from 64 to 256 last year um and i've now discovered that i'm using an awful lot of it because <laughs> it's there so I don't know. I could probably um, kind of downgrade um, because iCloud storage and optimized photos is, is pretty good, really. Um, and um, I, But I don't know. I need to have a bit of a clear out through all of the apps that I use and, and see what is my real sort of bare minimum. Um, but I think I'm actually leaning towards just trying to stay on 256 if I can afford it. Okay. Um, but that's 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 purely from a sort of that that means I don't have to worry kind of sort of state of mind. Um because I I yeah. 
don't I don't want to be running out of space when I'm taking videos or doing that sort of thing. So are you using iCloud Photo Library and optimized storage and all that stuff at the moment? Yes. Yeah, and I, I think that actually if I did a reinstall and just kind of let it grab what it what it could, um, I would see that I'm probably using um you know, somewhere if not under 64 gig, not really that far over it. Um, right. So it's probably an argument to be made that I should just be trying to sort of stream down what I've got on the phone and see where that really is. Yeah. Um, how about yourself? Are you kind of leaning more towards the 64? Oh, yeah. That's that's not even really a decision that I feel I need to make. 64, I think, will be absolutely fine. I'm looking at my iPhone 6 now. Um, I, while you were talking, I just went into my iPhone storage and settings. And yep. I'm using 22.6 out of 64. Right. So I've, I've, I'm well within that. And the biggest culprit of all of that is Overcast. That's currently, <laughs> I've got 14 gigs worth of podcasts, it seems. I didn't realize it was that much. Um, <laughs> so if it weren't for Overcast, I'd probably be even lower than 22. I'd be down to, well, a lot less. Um, because where I live... And where I typically take walks with the dog and stuff, um, the signal is just horrendous. So it makes yeah. streaming not really an option. So I set all of my podcasts yeah. to download and all the ones I subscribe to, I tell it to download the last newest three episodes. Right. Um, hence, it's probably got like, well, it's got like 14 gigs worth of podcasts just sat there. Yeah, but then it equally there's, there, there, there's stuff there that you could probably clear out. Oh, easily, easily, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm being really wasteful with that. But then equally, I've got like another 40 gig left of free space, so I'm not too stressed about it. Um, after Overcast, it's Mail, that takes up a gig. Um, then I've got Photos, that takes up 548 meg. That's with iCloud optimized storage and all that turned on. Yep. Um, and then it just starts, you know, you've got the usual suspects, Facebook app, LinkedIn, YouTube taken up you know a hundred and so meg each um that's basically it i don't really listen to music on my phone very much um mostly because i just listen to podcasting so much i I just don't have time for music um and i take the view that even if i did want to listen to more music i've got 40 gig left that i could use to put music on my phone yeah Um, exactly so i i don't feel compelled to go 256 at all if i was if I was to look at this now and it was kind of like you're using 58.5, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe maybe 256 is the right thing to do because apps are only going to get You'd bigger. You'd have headroom then. Uh, yeah, I'm already pushing the limit of what I've got and you know, there's only one way these things go and that is bigger generally. Over time, you just use more stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I, I feel like I've got enough that I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, one thing actually I wanted to ask you um, is about... The, the phone that you've seen in, in uh, was it one of your colleagues has got it? Yeah. Did you notice any blue shift when you looked at the phone from a different angle on the OLED? I can't say that I did, but to be fair, I, I don't think I observed it for any length of time to really kind of pick up on that. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I noticed it a little bit in the store yesterday. Um, it, seemed, it seemed like it wouldn't be an issue in day-to-day use. I mean, yeah. It was, it was at a pretty odd angle. I would never use my phone at the angle that I saw that blue shift take place. Um, but I, I, yeah, I guess it's just one of the, the trade-offs of, of using OLED in this way. 
Um, the biggest trade-off yeah. for me still remains the risk of screen burn. And I'm still pretty uneasy about that. As as great as it looked yesterday and as excited as I got about the phone, I, in the back of my mind it's like, that's going to get screen burn one way or another sooner or later. If you keep the phone for more than much more than a year or two, surely that phone is going to get screen burn. Um, I know they say that they're mitigating against it, but mm. how are they? How are they doing that? That's what I really want to know. Um, yeah, because there's only so many things that can be done. Um, you know, realistically, I guess if you're constantly showing similar things in similar places. Yeah. So my issue is that they, you know, Apple have kind of said that I think they want to be best in industry I think was the way they described it and that's fine and they said that they've put steps in place they've worked really hard to to mitigate it but they haven't it's almost like if they were to just tell me what they've done then I could make an informed decision as to whether I think what they've done is actually going to work over the period of time I intend to own the phone yep but as they haven't I feel like I'm just kind of like well I guess it's going to get screen burn one way or another and it's just going to be like a cost of doing business with the phone, essentially. Um, it seems yeah. inevitable. The more I think about it, it seems absolutely inevitable that this is going to happen. Um, I think there might be something there in terms of, um, you know, whether or not it hastens you um, into jumping off the phone and upgrading to a plus size or something else sooner than you might have done otherwise, I guess. Possibly. I mean, uh, was, I saw the other day that a screen replacement, I think it's, is it $279 they said a screen replacement on a 10 is? Okay. So in, in the back of my head, I've just kind of factored that in that I might just have to pay for one of those if if that happens. I'll yep. just be like, yeah, sure, give me a new screen. Because, um, I don't know, I, I feel like I really worry about screen burn more than the average person. Um, mostly because I'm sort of really into plasma screen TVs. I... Um, and obviously when I bought my last plasma screen, um, I was super paranoid that I was going to burn a hole in it yeah, with with something. Um, I, yeah. I, get unco- I get uncomfortable leaving like a language selection menu up for too long on a DVD, for example. Right. Um, <laughs> and and there's no way I would ever consider putting a console on a plasma screen and playing games on it. That's completely out of the question. Um, when, when the plasma screen was bought, I made it very clear um, that you know, if we if we get this TV... It's basically a movie machine just to watch movies on. Um, if we want to yep. use a console, we get some crappy LCD and we just put it on that and that's fine. Um, so I'm pretty precious about my plasma screen, as you can probably tell. Therefore, yeah. the fact that now <laughs> that now, <laughs> now these phones have got OLED technology in them, which are more susceptible to screen burn, I'm kind of a bit twitchy about it, as you can probably tell. Um, I think there's there's something there in terms of perhaps you're more twitchy than than the average person, but there is um, there is something there in terms of this is a first um, for Apple um, in terms of the phone. Uh, obviously, we've had it's OLED in the watch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the watch isn't on all the time. It's not something you're staring at, you know, for long protracted periods of time. Really, I think. Um, and so, you know, perhaps the worry of burn on, on the watch just doesn't need to be there at all. Um, but for the phone, 
absolutely that's that's something that could happen and probably will happen um it just sort of remains to be seen you know what those attempts to mitigate that from apple do um and what the reality is of that burn on the product sort of over time in general yeah i mean there's stuff in the os um that you can see like frameworks to help mitigate against it um i'd love to know what's going on in in there to get more details on it um i look at what my plasma screen can do essentially all it can do is what uh mine calls orbiter so it kind of just sort of shifts the picture around over time very slowly so right. if you're watching something like uh, i don't know say a football match and you've got the the scores in the top left yeah um that would over the course of the match the picture would be kind of shuffled around the screen so that the scores aren't in the same place constantly right but then in reality what happens is say that little rectangle that displays the scores let's say that's 300 pixels wide by 75 tall yeah let's say the tv shifts the pixels by sort of 10 pixels in either direction it doesn't actually solve the issue what you end up with is a bit in the middle um so like 55 pixels of that 75 which is always there basically yep. um and then you get like a slightly less of a an effect around the edge where it's been shifting around you get almost like a shadowy effect so you get a solid right. solid box so of it- burn surrounded by a little shadowy bit which yeah yeah, so, so so that effect there, it's, it's kind of literally smearing the stain. Basically, yeah, rather, that's a really yeah. good way of explaining it, yeah. Far better than I just <laughs> tried to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kind of wonder, you know, what, 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 what room is there really to do that sort of thing anyway on the phone? Um, you know, if you're sort of thinking about areas at the top of the screen, either side of the notch... Ah, uh, the notch. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think the bits in the horns are basically going to get burnt, but I can kind of live with that. It's elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think ways, to me, that seem like a good way of dealing with it is using translucency wherever possible. Um, so that, you know, as like if there's an area of solid colour or something like that, if it was sort of translucent and there's other content that flows underneath it that changes, that might help a little bit. Um, yeah. And then kind of, you know, receding UIs, for example. So um, like navigation bars maybe that could kind of shoot out of the way when you scroll and then come back into view when you scroll down so that they're not yeah. always there the whole time. Just stuff like that, really. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't have all the details to know what really is going on to mitigate it and... Yeah, I'd be super interested to know more. But yeah, the notch, as you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) What what do you think? I think I won't care when I've got the phone in my hands and I'm using it on a day-to-day basis. Um, I also think that in a few years' time, you know, Apple will do away with the notch or do something else there. And we will all herald that as being you know another big sort of game gear shift um for the meantime i don't think it's that big a deal you know i think my eyes will adjust and it'll, it's just going to become part of the the ui of the phone um yeah 
I don't know. I, I, it's uh, it annoys me on principle because I feel like you know, if we're going edge to edge, it really shouldn't be there. Um, but you can't do the stuff that the phone does right now without having something there. So it's it sort of feels like it. This probably is, you know, one of the better compromises on that. Um, and like I say, I think once you're using the phone the way. Um, UIs and the nav bars and everything at the top sort of blend with that anyway. Um, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. So I, I don't know if you kind of um, felt the same or, or gathered then any other sort of opinion after looking at it. Um, I almost didn't really notice it. And that's yeah. because I was focused on the content that was in the center of the screen as opposed to looking at the notch at the top. Because when you think about it, there's not an awful lot to look at at the top most of the time. It's a lot you're... of incidental stuff, isn't it? You know, you've, you've got your the time um, and you've got your, your um, bars and everything for connectivity. Um, and then other bits that pop in and out depending on whether you're shifting through apps. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I didn't find it an issue at all, really. Um, in fact, I, I was so kind of blown away I guess by the quality of the screen and everything else with the device that the notch was the last thing on my mind um maybe over time it would grow, sort of grate on me a little bit I don't know um but I kind of like it sounds a bit daft in a way but I kind of like the shape that the notch forces on the display okay um and uh, you know Maybe when they finally make a phone that doesn't have a notch, I'll, I'll look back on this conversation and be like, what were you saying? You know, it's so much better without the <laughs> notch. But um, I think it's quite an iconic shape that they've created, a very recognisable, maybe iconic's not the right word, but a very recognisable shape that, that yep. the outline of the screen creates. Um, almost kind of reinforces like the kind of the card metaphor that's going on at the moment. Yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of those... Um, uh, you know, like when you see people that like punch in and out of like a factory on those like machines where you sort of like punch a card to say you've turned up for work and then you punch out again. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of those things. And it kind it's... of uh, makes me feel like, uh, especially with the gestures where you can um, sort of jump between previous and next apps. Yeah. Um it kind of makes these apps feel like these little cards that we can sort of chuck around the phone. Um, and I kind of, I, I think I, I think I can definitely live with the notch. I think it, um, I'm just sort of looking at a screenshot now that I'm, I've got for armchair with the notch cut out of the top. And I don't think it makes the app worse in any way. Not really. Um, it just kind of makes for a, an interesting visual at the top in the way that the, color of my navigation bar sort of flows into the corners of it um but yeah i it's landscape where it gets interesting i think i think so but i think there's something to be said for you know what what percentage of use really is in landscape um you know in terms of how people really use their phones um so I don't know. I mean, if you use a particular app or a particular function in landscape a lot, then I guess there's something there that, you know, having that, that section be unavailable is going to sort of make those, those situations feel a bit weird. Um, but I think the vast, 
majority of use is in portrait. You know that that the phone is held quite often cradled in one hand. Um, so I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I just don't think. Um, I think it can survive as sort of being this this more sort of edge case for want of a better phrase mm-hmm. um, kind of scenario. You know, as it, you're not going to stop stuff from displaying um, in landscape, and, and the, the the things that, that are done in in that sort of view are still going to be done that way. Um, but what will happen is is you will end up with bars on either side, I guess, to sort of balance things out. Um, and as long as um, as as app developers, as long as we are mindful of staying within the safe areas, you know, and playing in 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 that space. Um, then I don't think it needs to be a problem. Um, just looking at my iPhone 7 now, you know, naturally if I hold it in landscape, I have um, two bars on either side, one where the home button is and the other where the um, the, the very top of the phone is. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it's, 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 it's as we have it now, there are bars there when you hold the phone. Um, and I don't think... You know, not being quite edge to edge on the ten is really going to be that problematic for landscape. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly for things like video and everything like that. Um, but just for like general sort of what I would call regular apps, like productivity apps, um, even like an app like Armchair um, or Overcast or or whatever. You you know, I would I'd never use those in landscape. No. Never. Never ever do I use them. I mean, I've made a choice in armchair. Um, sort of, I was kind of like, screw it, landscape turned off, not doing it. This yep. is a portrait only app, and if anyone complains at me, then I'll happily argue with them that I just don't like landscape. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it, therefore, no one gets it. <laughs> um, I, I would yeah. never, never ever think to use it in landscape. Um, so it, it's it's just kind of like a, a non-issue. And the things I do use for landscape is for playing the occasional game and watching videos. That is it. Yes. So, um, and I think for games, there's there's something there where it is um, potentially quite jarring if it's not done correctly, um, because there's a possibility that you've got. You know, at the moment, um, I mean, we we all saw in um, in the demo. That Apple did. There were um, shots where, oh yeah, <laughs> the side of the screen where the notch was, where things were getting obscured, and um, when a game was played in landscape, and it just looked a little odd. I yeah. think, um, I obviously people making those games are going to have to counter for that and think about what what goes on there. But again, you could just bring everything inside a little bit controls can be moved in you could still have content going up to the notch if you wanted but just don't put anything meaningful outside of the safe area in terms of controls or or, um, displays and things um so i don't think it needs to be awful i guess is what i'm saying um and if the worst thing is is that you end up with a bar on either side and just sort of putting stuff inside of the safe area and ignoring the edge to edge for those yeah. circumstances. Um, I don't think that's a deal breaker on the phone itself because I do believe the vast majority of use is actually in portrait. Um, but again, this is going on my gut instinct and 
how I use the phone. So I guess that there are going to be some people who are a little upset if if they're doing a lot of games and or whatever in landscape. But yeah, um, as an app developer, I am not worried about this though as being a thing because, like yourself, with with my apps, um, I've made a decision that, that go VJ and. Holovid, um, and probably any other app I'm likely to, to develop myself um, are going to run in portrait on the phone um, just because that is my preference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a different story on the iPads. Um, Go VJ expands on the iPad and you've got a little, a little bit more room to sort of select your videos from the bottom because um, that's the way the UI is. You've got a um, a preview of what you're mixing um, in terms of video content at the top and then at the bottom you have a pane where you can select the videos to sort of put on either side on either channel that the app has that, that mm-hmm. it's mixing with um, and I do kind of feel like I would like to go landscape on the iPad with a version of GoVJ that, that is something I'd love to do um, but that makes sense um, for the iPad, it makes sense to to be more welcoming of, of landscape because there's so many more things you can do with that on an iPad, um, especially on those that can do um, sort of multitasking and split screen. Um, yeah, and, and with the iPad in landscape, you have a workable height. Yeah, whereas yeah, exactly. you know, even on an iPhone Plus, you go into landscape and it's like. Yeah, it's very much like looking through a letterbox, whereas on an iPad, it's like a nice piece of A4 turned on its side. Yes. And, that, and that's fine. You can totally work with that. Um, but in, yeah, phones, I, I just don't think landscape works really, except for gaming and videoing. And I, I don't know. I feel as, 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 a, as an app developer, I've been kind of hearing all this stuff in, you know, podcasts and in, in the press. I'm like, you know, app developers are, are, are rushing to, to sort of get their apps ready for iPhone 10 and I feel like I've had the easiest time of it. I don't feel I haven't really had to do anything. Armchair I just ran it and it worked. Yeah. And I was like okay sweet next. Um space <laughs> readers I had to make one small change to an image I was using as a background and that was just because I messed up the margins essentially so that was my fault. Had I done it right in the first place it would have just worked. Um yep. So yeah, I feel like I've just I've really gotten away with it possibly because i've just kept things super simple i've just stuck to the stock ui i haven't tried hacking around with ui kit i've just kept it simple and yeah so far i think that's paid dividends certainly with the release of the iphone 10 anyway all right we'll call that an episode we hope you've enjoyed the show and if you've got an iphone 10 we hope you're enjoying that too um if you have enjoyed the show if you could leave us a review on itunes that would be much appreciated uh equally if you're an overcast user if you could recommend us by hitting that star button that'd be fantastic uh, also would like to remind you that now we have our slack channel and it'd be great if you could come and join us if you'd like to join there'll be instructions in our show notes or you can just reach out to us on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so before we run off dave where can people find you um you can find me on twitter at dw roboheads and you can find my applications at roboheads.com how about you dave uh, yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com uh, My app to help kids learn to read You can find it at spacereaders.com And on Twitter I am at underscore Dave Knott <laughs>